Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. I am so excited to welcome Avery Williamson to the podcast today. Avery is an artist and weaver who explores the history of Black Americans, specifically women, in personal and institutional archives. She weaves, paints, draws, and writes, examining how gaps in visual, oral, and written communication can inform the storytelling process. Avery graduated from Harvard College with a degree in visual and environmental studies. I first came across her work on Instagram a few months ago and was captivated by the fluid use of color and texture in her weavings. And I also really love the titles that she gives her work. I'll give a few examples and maybe we'll get to talk about them more later on in the conversation. Um, Unexpectedly balanced after some minor negotiations is one and unwilling to merge assets unbothered by conventional wisdom is another. And I'm so excited to be talking to you today, Avery. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I would love to start out by asking when you first found yourself interested in making art. Hmm. I think that I can't even think of an exact moment in time. It's always felt like something that was naturally, uh, I was naturally drawn towards it. Um, I grew up in a household with artists and with sisters who are also artists and so so much of our free time was spent experimenting with things that we found in our backyard or anything that we found in our house and I found a lot of solace in putting things together and taking them apart and taking a step back and planning out different projects and I think I probably started off with um, drawing and painting and then kind of ventured into different types of things. I remember growing up and playing with doll houses and redecorating them and I just always felt at home making things. That's great. So you said you come from a family of artists. Are your parents artists? So my dad um, is a teacher and a landscape painter. Um, mm. My mom is not a visual artist but she writes very well and is very creative in those types of ways and then I'm the middle of three girls, and my older sister is uh, a performance artist, also incredibly talented painter and drawer, and then my younger sister studies art history and is so thoughtful around uh, art and research and also paints and draws a bit as well. Wow, what a cool family to be from. (laughs) We're fun, we're quirky. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find your way towards textiles and weaving? Yeah, well, I think I spent a lot of time uh, with my grandparents and my grandmother growing up after school, and my grandmother also painted and knitted, and um, I remember just thinking about how much I loved feeling textiles and thinking about how they could transform into a sweater or a scarf, and um, so I was always drawn to that, and then about four or so years ago, maybe five, um, I had graduated from school and was in that awful period where you're looking for a job and doubting yourself and wondering if you'll ever get out of your parents' basement. And I came across all these amazing textiles on Instagram and online. And so I just uh, bought a few things and bought, uh, actually started by making a frame loom and uh, got started and tried to teach myself things and it just felt so peaceful and a chaotic moment in my life and I haven't stopped since. What kind of materials do you like to weave with? 
primarily wool. I started using acrylic and honestly anything that I find that I think that will stay together and keep some structure, I'll give it a try. I've also, I think early on was trying to use just natural things like leaves and reeds and just seeing what I could do because it felt low cost and relatively low effort. Um, and I've really just expanded to try anything and I try to think about where I am um, geographically and what's available and experiment in that way. Hmm. You write in, in your biography on your website that your work examines how gaps in visual, oral, and written documentation can inform the storytelling process. And I'm wondering if you can talk more about this and how you first became interested in exploring those themes. Yeah, my background in making, I guess, I guess when I was in school, I was thinking a lot about archives and history. And I wasn't weaving yet at that point. I was primarily doing drawing and painting and photography. And I was really interested in researching my family history on both sides. And so that took me into archives. Um, and I was really drawn into the ways in which women and um, African Americans were captured in archives or not captured in that history. Maybe they were kind of on the periphery of a story about some broader narrative of American history, or maybe um, instead of a very formal primary source, it was kind of like a journal entry or something small or a receipt that alluded to a life um, for a woman or a black person who maybe wasn't seen as the central part of a story. And I thought that was a really interesting place to start in research and led to really interesting questions and a unique path for research. And so that's really a lot of what my earlier art making was around. And it was also, because it was historical information, it was primarily black and white and pretty one-dimensional. Um, and so I was doing a lot of that, but really missing color and wanting to introduce that to my work and not really sure how to do that. Um, and so that's also where weaving came in as a way to explore color, but also capture in some of the titles of my work, uh, the narrative historical elements that I found to be so interesting. Hmm. What, what kind of archives and places were you diving into that research? All over the place. Um, I think one of the most interesting archives that I thought about was the personal archive. And when I was doing research on my family, I had captured kind of this box of um, like ephemera from one of my great aunts. And she had saved um, like her World War II rations card. And she had saved all the letters that she had sent to her brothers who were um, overseas during the war and she had saved every funeral announcement from a friend or her husband's um, and had saved the notes that people often write in memoriam of someone. Um, and I found, and she would also write on the back of photographs that she had put in albums about what her thoughts and feelings were at the time that the photograph was taken. And these were just like these very tiny glimpses that I had into her life that um, I didn't really know her, um, as a young person, obviously, I only knew her as a much older person 
Um, and we were told to be very quiet when we went by her room and not to bother her, not to roughhouse in her space. And when I got to see all these journal entries and bits of her life, it told this dynamic story of this, um, you know, ambitious, adventurous, feisty woman who I could relate to in a lot of ways. And I just had these little moments of her life, um, these little things she had written in her own handwriting. And that, like, for me, gave me so many different ways that I could interpret and jump off and tell these stories. And so I kind of felt like these little phrases were like whole stories in themselves or titles to a whole portion of our life. And that just really excited me as a researcher and inspired a lot of the way that I think about writing titles about my work as just moments and times, feelings I'm having, challenges I'm having. Wow. There must have been so much to dive into to learn in that research and also to make art from. How did you how did you start the process or think through the process of creating from all of the research that you were doing and specifically bringing a lot of the black and white things you were, were finding into color in your art? Yeah, it was a really slow process. Um, like it, I started the family research in 2010 and um, when I first started that research, I was really thinking of it like, how am I going to put together a formal family tree with birth and death dates and track it back as far as I can? And I was thinking of it very much in the traditional genealogy path. And then the more I marinated on that over a few years, I just thought, well, that's really flat. And when I can't find out, um, you know, someone's last name or where they died or where they were born, like it just stops with that. And so I think it was like an ongoing process of understanding, well, how do I keep the story going when there are all these gaps? And so I continued to try different media to try to explore that. So originally it was photographs and then it was writing and then it was kind of transforming photographs. And then it was going to national archives and looking at redacted materials and thinking about that as like a, a way to make a mark and a way to um, show and take away information. Um, and I think with each step I got, it became more and more comfortable with breaking from a traditional media and just trying something that felt like it captured the feeling I had when I was looking at that work. And so I think once I made the leap from like photographic manipulation, printmaking to painting is really where I started to feel like, wow, there's a whole world out there. And then I made the leap to weaving and I thought, I'm never going to go back to taking a photograph. Mm. Like, that's too flat. <laughs> why not add texture? And why not consider something being asymmetrical? Or can I hang it on a wall? And just photographing it within a whole scene of a room tell a different type of story? And I just started to think about space so much differently at that point. Mm. And I just also think working directly with your hands and getting away from being in front of a computer screen is just like so freeing in this moment in time and it like reminds you of what it was like depending upon how old you are what it was like to be a kid and really just use your hands so much and that's just been one of the most exciting and relaxing and engaging parts of weaving in this moment of time is like close computer walk away it's just you and your loom and your things that's great do you create your weavings to put together in an exhibition or do you create them to sit on their own or how how do you create your work these days hmm. I'm kind of in between 
all of those things. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more planful in my weaving practice and maybe like have bigger goals in mind. But usually I just kind of sit down and say, I have a few hours on this Saturday. These are the colors that are really speaking to me or this is a, a painting that I've been really interested in and I wanna to try to interpret it on my loom. Um, but more recently, since moving, um, I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to find some opportunities where I can actually show my work. And now I'm starting to think more about curating it into a show and a vision, um, which is pretty new. I thought of that before in other visual art, photography and prints and drawing and painting, but I'm having like another artist transition into how to curate collection of weavings. That's so great. So is that something that people, I know you live in Ann Arbor, Michigan now, is that something that people in Michigan will be able to come see at some point? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm hoping to have some opportunities to show work in the summer. I wanted to give myself a little bit of time instead mm. of trying to rush and scramble. So I'm in the process of kind of sketching out and mapping out my visions. But as soon as I have everything nailed down, I hope that people who are local will get a chance to come out and share their thoughts and introduce themselves and make uh, a connection and build a bigger network of weavers here. Very cool. Are there, are you friends with other weavers in town? Is there a community there? I haven't quite connected with any other weavers here. I think that most of my network has been with people that I've connected with on Instagram, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. That's been like a really cool community to tap into and I found people to be really thoughtful to pose interesting questions to the people that are following them who are out there and I would love to like connect with people in person but I haven't really actually had a lot of FaceTime with other other weavers I'd love to though it is a really special thing I think about the Instagram weaving community and also on Facebook the way that we can feel like we really start to know each other as as artists and as people, um, even though it's just through this screen. Yeah, I know. Now that you ask, I'm like thinking, and I'm like, <laughs> no, most of those relationships <laughs> exist <laughs> via a screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, in the bio page on your website, you start with Representative Maxine Waters' quote, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. And I'd love to know the significance of that quote in your life and in your work. Yeah, no, it's, it w I'm so glad that it kind of rose to internet fame and probably beyond that because I know it has a, a technical meaning in the world of politics, but I felt that it captured a feeling that I have. And when I talk with my sisters, other makers, we can really relate to it. And one way that I interpret it is just like, one, as a person who makes things, I feel like a lot of times I'm like fighting to make things, fighting against the other obligations that I have in my life and um, having to choose between, you know, socializing or cleaning or cooking to do something that is really important to me. And then I also think in the context of like my ancestors, the women who have been in my life who've come before me who have probably been so interested in making things and art and have tried to do that and have done it really successfully but also maybe just didn't have the opportunities 
um, or the privilege or the space in their lives to do it in the way that that I've done it um, and I've been able to do it. And so I think of just like the privilege of doing what makes you feel powerful, what inspires you, what motivates you, um, in addition to the other obligations that we as women have in our lives. Um, so I just feel like it's a lot about owning the opportunity to be an artist and being really like aware of that. And that's my interpretation of it. I think a lot of other women probably think of it in different ways, but that's how it resonated with me. I love that. I really love that. And I just like, I also am so thankful to have, to have parents that are so supportive of art, um, who understand it, who encourage it, who have always encouraged it. And like, that's not, I don't think that's common, um, but that's allowed me to own and claim and reclaim all the things that I love to do. Yeah. Where did their love of art and their encouragement of art come from? Is it a long history in your family or? Hmm. Yeah, I never really thought of that. I think that, I think that um, at least for, for my dad, who he's always been so interested in drawing and painting. And there's this one story that my grandfather would tell over and over again that um, one day they walked in and he was um, had like a, an ink pen and was drawing the Flintstones or something, some cartoon onto the bed sheet. Hmm. And the first thing that they said was like, oh my gosh, you have such wonderful skill in being able to do that. And then they were like, why are you doing this to our bed sheet? <laughs> and I think like that kind of captures like there's parents who are happy that you have such skill in doing something. And then there are parents that are like, why are you destroying things or painting on the wall? And it's just like all a matter of like what they say first. And I think that like having parents or guardians or caregivers who kind can recognize talent and look for opportunities for their kids to do that um, is just so special. And I think that uh, on both sides of my um, parental unit there have been parents who saw interest or skill and made it happen even in difficult circumstances um, and I think that can be hard if you're not necessarily someone who is a maker in that sense but I think to recognize that and support it is really special and some families just have a long line of people who see that and let it happen and support it yeah that is that is really special so we talked a little earlier, you talked about the titles that you give your weaving, and I would love to ask about the inspiration for a few of the favorite titles and, and weavings that I saw on your site, and I'll tell you a few of mine, and maybe you want to share some of your own favorites. Um, there's one piece that you have called the body slash country you have versus the body slash country you want. Could you talk about what that weaving looks like and where the inspiration for that came from? Yeah, that was this one of my most recent weavings. Um, it was an experimentation with um, making some changes to my loom so that it could be even longer. So it's almost, it's like almost, it's just four and a half feet long, which is bigger than most of my work. So it was an experiment in that sense. Um, and then as I was finishing it up, it was January, which it's now February, but 
I was kind of being inundated with all the language around, you know, New Year's resolutions and transforming yourself and making all these commitments that you're going to let fall away in one month. And then I was also thinking about 2018 as a marker in time and just taking note of all that I felt had changed over the past um, three, two, three years uh, and how I was feeling about being in America and the language of leaders and just wondering kind of what my place was and what I could do to continue to make it a country that I love and feel really proud of and um, just being conscious of the way that you move through your world and your community in your country and shaping it to be what you want and really remembering that it is a place that you shape and it's not something that just happens to you. You have an active role in that. And I think for me, at least, a lot of the language I've heard, especially around immigration and people of color, is really difficult to hear because I'm a black woman and so many of my ancestors came from other countries um, by choice in some instances and not by choice in other instances and how much that shapes how I think about where I live and so it's kind of all these conflicts that we feel and sometimes powerlessness and a lot of times when I sit down in front of my loom all those thoughts are at play and all those things are being processed in one place and this is kind of the outcome and To be honest, the piece didn't land exactly where I wanted it to land, and that was kind of how I was feeling about my country and my body. (laughs) 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 But you're like, it is what it is. And (laughs) sometimes that's like the process of making things and living and all of that and voting and being like, well, maybe the person I voted for didn't win. All right, this is still where I am. This is still what Mm -hmm. I have. Have have you found weaving and and art making to have a different role in your life over the last year as the um, racist political climate in our country has gotten worse and worse? Yeah, I think so. And I haven't quite nailed what the change has been, but I've definitely identified a change. I've been feeling as though when I don't weave, when I don't paint, when I don't draw, I feel even more unsettled. And It's kind of like a therapy to be sitting down and making things. And I found that like I have to be even more aggressive with my time to make sure that I'm making things because that's oftentimes the only way that I can really feel centered in the other parts of my life where I have less control. Um, And I just also think that when you're someone who writes or paints or weaves um, that's kind of like where you interpret the world and share that interpretation with other people and I think it's so important especially as a person of color as a woman of color to make sure that your voice finds a way into this narrative of America right now and so I feel that making is like living right now and all of that has has accelerated. It's always been how I felt, but it feels even more important right now. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what about? I'm interested in in hearing about your piece 
unwilling to merge assets unbothered by conventional wisdom. Where does, where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think that like a, a lot of people who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s too are probably inundated with messages around marriage and partnership. And if you use Facebook, that's like half of what Facebook is, is babies <laughs> and marriages and then like unfortunate announcements of death. And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like there's all these messages being sent to you about what you should be doing at this moment in your life. And so that was really on my mind as I was working through a few of these pieces and wondering what if I never want to share my bank account with my partner? What if I always want to be able to buy yarn and never have anyone else ask about it or judge or wonder where (laughs) all my money went? Um, What if I want to keep these separate parts of my life, these flawed parts of my life, all to myself forever? Um, What does it mean to like open that up to someone else or to share that or to put a home together? And so I think that those were just things that I was processing based on what I was hearing. And were also just little phrases, snippets, narratives that really resonated with other people. And um, other people were wondering the same thing. And I think sometimes the titles can put out a thought that other people weren't really sure how to articulate, but in the format of labeling art felt like a really accessible conversation piece. And so I really enjoyed hearing the responses that people had and the freedom that a title of a piece of art gave them to comment on Facebook or on Instagram. It was just intriguing to me. Yeah. What are, what are the most, what, what piece have you put out into the world that's had the most intriguing responses? Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one. I think that I do, there's a few pieces around um, like dating type things that people really loved. There was one piece um, titled They Unravel on the Fifth Date, I think. Um, and people found that to be really funny. I think like the whole world of dating and online dating um, and like some superficial elements of that lent themselves well to um, weavings that had a lot of texture and energy and um, felt like they were alive. And I think it's easy to write some sort of post on Facebook that is directly about a relationship relationship status. Um, And people will kind of look away from that. But the weavings themselves felt innocent enough that people kind of looked at them and could feel the energy or like saw something that they could relate to or knew like, yeah, one time our relationship did unravel on the fifth date. And just like the stories that came out of that felt really, really fun and exciting and a nice entry point. Hmm. Cool. What are the ideas or materials or things that you're most excited to explore with your weaving in 2018? Well, I did tell myself at the beginning of this year that I wasn't going to buy any more (laughs) yarn, (laughs) but I took a vacation day tomorrow and I think I'm going to buy some yarn. (laughs) Always the right choice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whatever. Resolutions, whatever. Not for me. Um, I think that I'm interested in thinking about 
color collections hmm. and trying to challenge myself to stick to like a consistent palette for maybe five pieces and maybe working on them concurrently. A lot of times I'll finish something and start something else, but I'm really interested in challenging my process this year. Um, process over materials probably and I'm thinking about scale change too. Like I'm looking to to go big <laughs> and to see what I can do for maybe like a triptych, um, three concurrent like pieces that have some shared composition. Um, I'm always open to color. I can never really commit to any type of palette. Like I, I'll go to the store and I'll see something and it'll speak to me and I'll come home with it uh, like $70 later. So <laughs> I really just look at something and have to make it part of my home. So really whatever speaks to me color-wise is what's going to be in store for 2018. That sounds good. And who are the artists, the textile artists and other artists who you're drawing inspiration from this year? Hmm. Well, I really have always loved Sheila Hicks's work. Um, I think she was one of the first artists that I looked at, textile artists, and thought, wow, this is amazing. How do I do things like this? What do I use? Where do I go to learn more about this? Um, and then a lot of the other, and also Instagram, there's always just so many interesting ways to use color and texture, and that's kind of my go-to place for, for new ideas. Uh, I also, I really like painters, and a lot of my inspiration comes from painting. I like uh, Micheline Thomas. She does, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, no, but she does to look her up. <laughs> like very large scale pieces. She uses like she's, it's very texture rich sometimes. Um, it's hard to even explain, but she works a lot from photographs too. So they're like kind of collage work. Um, and I just like love to see what, what she's up to. Um, Lorna Simpson is an artist that I absolutely love, and I'm always following what she's doing. Recently, she's been doing these amazing kind of works on paper drawings um, that are portraits, that are collage work from historical, looks like historical magazines. And I just, I love her, her mark making and experimentation. And so that, a lot of drawing and painting gives me ideas for thinking about mark making in the weaving context and what that looks like. So that's kind of what's on my my radar for the moment. Um, but I'm always open to things. My sisters will send me links to things. Um, there's a group of quilters um, called from G's Bend. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly and. I have so many art books that have been given or donated to me, and that's also one of my go-to points of inspiration that is just super unique to me, the colors, and so I'm always open, and I love to see art, 
and I try to make a habit of seeing new things whenever I can. That's great. There's a couple people that you mentioned that are new to me that I'm, I'm excited to look up uh, and start following. So thank you for all those ideas. And Absolutely. also, thank you for this conversation. It's been really great to hear your story and your evolution as an artist and what you're working on. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having <laughs> yeah, me and for I, the great questions. Yeah. So before we sign off, I would love if you could share um, both where people can find you on social media and on the internet. And also if you have any last words of wisdom or advice that you'd want to share with other weavers. Absolutely. Um, I post a lot of new work on Instagram and I'm at A is for Avery. And wisdom that I would share. I think that it's just important to make time for yourself and for making things that make you happy, especially in these difficult moments in time. I think it's also good to share with others and be open about your creative process, be willing to be flexible and change and shift, um, talk to other artists, encourage other people to make art, um, be patient with yourself, don't be too critical. I think that's what I'd really give to most people out there who are in the process of making things, who are thinking about it. And I would also say, don't hesitate too much. Just make a leap. Uh, there's always low cost ways to try something out. You don't have to spend all your money on a, on a loom or on yarn. There is a way to begin something. And um, yeah, just have fun too. That's important. Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Avery. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. That's a wrap. If you'd like to see photos of Avery's weaving, as well as links to where you can find her on social media and the internet, check out the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen seven. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N.com. You can also leave a comment there to let me know what you thought of this week's episode. And while you're there, I put lots of new weaving yarn goodies up on my website last week, so you should go check it out. There's very fine Egyptian mercerized cottons, hand-dyed silk that can only be described as delicious, a new line of hemp yarn, and a lot more. So I hope you find something that will delight and inspire your weaving if you're looking for yarn. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Nikita Sheth, a weaver based in Sydney, Australia, who creates stunning weavings from recycled saris that she collects from elderly Indian women in her community. It was another fascinating conversation that I'm excited to share with you next Monday. And until next time, happy weaving!